This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Andrew Berenberg, National Policy Director for the National Young Farmers Coalition. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Global sugar subsidies are increasing at a threat to 142,000 sugar industry jobs in the U.S. Learn more about the American Sugar Alliance Zero for Zero Sugar Policy at sugaralliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Andrew Berenberg next. Sugar subsidies in 120 countries are on the rise and threatening 142,000 U.S. jobs. That's why the American Sugar Alliance is pushing for a global subsidy ceasefire. Their goal is a subsidy-free world market that fosters efficiency. And they know that unilateral disarmament of America's no-cost policy without concessions from abroad will only outsource U.S. jobs and reward foreign subsidizers. The plan is called the Zero for Zero Sugar Policy. And you can learn more at SugarAlliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The nation's farm and ranch population is aging. There is concern as to how to maintain productivity as food production shifts to the next generation. Andrew Berenberg, National Policy Director for the National Young Farmers Coalition, sees some real challenges for younger Americans that want to commit their lives to working the land. Obviously, we are entering some tough times. I think whether or not you are a small-scale specialty crop grower or or a large-scale row crop commodity crop grower i think everyone is feeling that squeeze right now um for young farmers particularly the biggest challenge and the the number one challenge and the, and the biggest um thing that we try and drill down on in the in the policy front is access to farmland so as you've seen uh farms consolidate um and disappear over time uh, and and at the same time you see a lot of development pressure um, as cities kind of expand it is increasingly difficult to find farmland if you are an aspiring young farmer and that that's really our north star with all of our policy work um, is trying to get young people on the land because we know that once they are on the land that has ripple effects, right? They're starting businesses in rural areas that need young people to start businesses. That's really the elephant in the room as we talk about supporting the next generation is how do we get them on the land. You have an aging farm population, and we've told that story for some time. The last census report showed uh, almost six times as many uh, farmers that are over 65 as are under 35. But the last census also did suggest there was a growing number of farmers that are under 35. So how do you bridge these two numbers, and and how can the Young Farmers Coalition help? Yeah, there was a slight uptick in farmers under 35, and that's a very encouraging sign. I think that's happened only one other time in the last century, uh, just to give you some historical context. You know, I, I think that that is directly related to our growth as an organization and our success working with USDA and Congress, there is energy out there, and we are seeing and tapping into a movement among so-called millennials who who are interested in starting careers in agriculture. And that's true whether they grew up on a farm um, or or not, and whether they're they're so-called first-generation farmers. Um, we need them to come into the 
into the sector here. Fortunately, the fact that our farm population is aging now averages 58.3 years old, that data point, that fact is pretty well socialized at this point. I think you hear a lot of people citing that number and sounding that alarm. What's equally urgent is how much farmland is concentrated among those older farmers. So that same ag census data tells us that about a third of U.S. farmland is currently being farmed by someone who's 55 to 64 years old, and another third is farmed by someone who's 65 years or older. Um, So essentially two-thirds of U.S. farmland is currently being farmed by someone that's probably starting to think about retiring. Um, And that's, that's a scary thought when you think about what happens to that farmland and how that transition is managed is going to determine so much for our food system and for our economy and especially for our rural communities who are are really struggling right now. So you have a young person who's thinking about a career in agriculture and they look at farm income for the past three or four years that is on a sharp decline and knowing that there are farmers out there that may be looking for their way out, those farmers existing are capital rich and cash poor. How do we cross the divide or is there a way that you see from a Washington perspective or from a business perspective that we can connect the dots between those that want to be and those that are? Yeah, great question. And there isn't a one answer. Um, you know, we take a pretty comprehensive uh, kitchen sink approach to, to that farmland transition question uh, because we have to. It needs to be a whole of government approach. There are a few solutions that that we are proposing. Um, I think increasingly we need to start looking at the tax code and if there are, you know, where the barriers and leverage points are within the existing tax code. Um, we've had some success on the state level creating some some tax incentive for for landowners who are, as you said, you know, asset rich, cash poor trying to create incentives for them to sell and transfer that farmland to a beginning farmer. Um, so most recent state was Minnesota, which created uh, a tax credit for landowners and, and ag asset owners, including equipment. If they transfer those assets to a beginning farmer, they're eligible for a tax credit. I think as federal tax reform really gets underway here, um, we want to look at that as well. And are there things we can do to incentivize that retiring farmer sitting on that land to maybe go out and try and transfer it to another farmer? You know, capital gains certainly is one is one option, and, and maybe we can create some sort of capital gains tax exclusion for qualified sales of farmland to beginning farmers. If there are, um, if there are young farmers that are out there that are looking for land, how are they able to find available land? Because you've done some work in that area. We have, yeah. So we work with um, a lot of service providers, extension, land trusts, USDA, to try and bridge that gap and do that matchmaking. You know, USDA has done a good job of ramping that up. One thing that we have done and, and and really focused on is training our farmers how to look for land. So we actually just launched something called Finding Farmland, which is an online farmland affordability calculator that we created using a a USDA 
grant through the Beginning Farmer and Rancher Development Program, the idea came out of there are online mortgage calculators that you can use to tell if you can afford to buy this or that house. Buying farmland tends to be a little bit more complicated than that, and so we had the idea to create something similar where a, a young farmer who wants to find land can can use this tool, um, compare land prices, compare financing options, see what it looks like uh, if they were to place a, a conservation easement on that land, how that would impact the buying price, to really you know, help give an, a real-time, more sophisticated idea of what options are out there, how you can get creative, mixing and matching financing options. You know, I think, you know, helping young farmers understand what their options are, where the challenges are, and what they need to do to become better land buyers and better credit applicants, that's an important piece to the puzzle and and something that that we're trying to scale up. Um, And we're really excited about this, this farmland affordability calculator. Andrew, inside Washington and inside the Beltway, easily there are polar issues. But one that seems to find bipartisan support is that for support of beginning and young farmers and family farmers. So how did the 14 Farm Bill help the plight of young and beginning farmers? And as we're talking about now developing the 18 Farm Bill, whether it be loans, whether it be risk management, What are the things that need to be done in this new set of farm laws to help this group? So the 2014 Farm Bill made some important improvements that we were excited about. Among them, the Beginning Farmer and Rancher Development Program, which which provides grants for institutions that are training farmers to really help this generation get get skilled up. Microloans at FSA, those have existed since 2013, but were really expanded and codified in the 14 Farm Bill. That's been a huge success story um, and something that we've been call, calling for almost since our founding is create a, a micro-lending option for beginning farmers where the, the paperwork is a little bit more streamlined, terms are a little more flexible. Those lessons we're going to be looking to apply to the 2018 Farm Bill, or hopefully the 2018 Farm Bill, as it were. So our message to Congress this time around is is keep going, um, keep building on that progress. There were some improvements made in crop insurance programs as well to create more on ramps for beginning farmers. Um, we know that once once we get them in the door. Um, at their their local USDA offices, they're much more likely to learn about other programs that that USDA offers for beginning farmers, um, and can really become you know customers uh, of of our federal farm programs and USDA programs for uh, for the long haul. Are the dollars adequate for the interest that we find from young and beginning farmers, and are the limitations prohibitive? with the cost of land and capital uh, to be involved in farming? Well, of course, given the aging farm population and the scope of the problem we're trying to tackle, um, we're having to do a lot with a little. So we do need increased investment in training and mentorship programs, in land conservation, to make sure that farmland is affordable for young farmers. I mean, there are... 
there are a lot of investments that need to be made. Um, although we are calling for more investment in, in things like beginning farmer training programs, FSA loan programs, um, you know, farmland conservation through ASEP, we also are trying to work with, with members of Congress to, and USDA to just make these programs work better. And some of those can save you money by building in efficiencies, modernizing services. Um, for a long time, we've been calling for modernization of USDA customer service uh, across the board, putting more services online, letting young farmers access and service those programs online. Let's meet young people where they are. We've been very encouraged by hearing Secretary Purdue talk about that very same thing and, and modernizing customer service and really focusing on sort of the end user, which is the farmer, and how are these things actually getting into the hands of farmers. I noted a survey suggesting that 30% of young and beginning farmers had delayed getting into the business, and 48% had delayed expansion because of student loan debt. This is a real issue to this generation. It's a real issue, and when I mentioned that there are some unique challenges for this incoming generation. Um, that is certainly among them and something that previous generations of, of farmers in the U.S. have not had to deal with. Um, the amount of student loan debt that, that young people are carrying as they try and start careers in agriculture is touching every part of the sector, right? So it impacts their ability to secure capital and take out loans. Um, it impacts, which, which obviously impacts their ability to not only find farmland, but grow their businesses. Um, more and more of them have to take off farm jobs just to finance their, just to service their student loans. It's not just so-called first-generation farmers who, who have gone to college and are now coming back onto the land. You know, farm kids, multi-generation farmers are increasingly going to get those associate's degrees, to get those bachelor's degrees, to study business, to study agriculture. Um, it's, it's increasingly important in such a competitive um, ag economy that, that they understand the business side of things, um, the, you know, the, the soil health side of things. I mean, there, there are a lot more needs. And, and essentially, you know, the current state of student loan debt in this country is causing young people to choose. Do I go to college and risk not being able to come back to the farm uh, because I can't afford to? Or do I stay? Do I take over the farm? And that means that I can't go off to college and come back. There's a bill in the House, uh, the Young Farmer Success Act, that would add farmers to the public service loan forgiveness program, wherein farmers who farmed full-time and made income-based payments on their student loans over 10 years, at the end of that 10 years, they could have the balance of those student loans forgiven. That's one important option and we think is a, a critical one. Um, but with a farm bill on the horizon, um, we are certainly trying to sound the alarm about this problem and that, that it's something that farm bill authorizers need to be paying attention to and finding ways to address. 
Andrew, there was a day and time when the majority of people who lived in the country were on a family farm, and your training came from your your grandparents or your parent. But now that we are so many generations removed, and there may be others that are interested in coming into farming, but they just practically have not been trained on how to farm, are there programs, are there ways that those who are interested can learn from those who know? Absolutely. So I mentioned the Beginning Farmer and Rancher Development Program, which is a a critical component to that and needs to be reauthorized in this farm bill, especially with more and more first-generation farmers coming into the business. We need to really invest in training them up. So apprenticeships and mentorship programs can really help. We've seen one program, and we were very excited to see this be an issue that Secretary Purdue has sought to promote, is the SCORE program, which is run through and in partnership with the Small Business Administration that pairs young entrepreneurs with experienced business mentors. And what Secretary Purdue has done is he's taken that, he signed an MOU with this program called SCORE to take that into all 50 states and to really focus on young farmers and pairing them with the mentors that they need to really dial in their business models and become more financially literate, more business savvy, and to just have that mentorship that you might not have if you didn't grow up on a farm. Um, We've been really excited about that, and we're helping to promote it and recruit farmers for it. You know, if if we have one generation of farmers in the U.S. retire without enough young people to come in and learn from them, that's going to be just a profound loss in terms of cultural knowledge, historical knowledge, and expertise that you really can't get back. And so increasingly, we're looking for ways to pair young farmers with with older farmers, more experienced farmers in their area um, to do that. And, and that could be through traditional programs um, like SCORE, like BFRDP. Um, that can be in in less formal um, ways. And so, you know, we really are putting the call out to, to everyone interested, to universities, to nonprofits, um, and certainly to, to folks here in Congress and at USDA, um, that we need to find every way possible to find mentorship, to create avenues for training, um, not just on the technical side, but also on the financial management, the, the business literacy side of things, uh, which can make young people more successful credit applicants, um, can improve their ability to, you know, apply for NRCS programs, to get their foot in the door at FSA and at farm credit and with their local banks um, that, can, that can really help them start their business on the right foot and, and grow it over time, and that's, that's what we need to do. Well, Andrew Berenberg, we want to wish you and the National Young Farmers Coalition much success in your efforts across the country and certainly on Capitol Hill. Uh, it's been an honor to have you on Open Mic, and it is, is, as it is Open Mic, you have an open forum. Great. Well, I want to thank you so much for having me. And pursuant to the open mic style, you know, I'd really just like to reiterate that NYFC, we focus on policy at the federal level and with a farm bill on the horizon, we're, we're laser focused on that right now uh, and with a new administration coming in. 
Um, we're really excited about the opportunities and about how many federal policymakers are starting to talk about supporting the next generation. And there is increasing interest in, in solving these problems. But really, federal policy, state policy is, is not the only way to, to move the needle here and to support this next generation. So at NYFC, we put the call out to every business that relies on the food supply and the food chain, to every consumer, to every landowner that is capable and willing to support their local young farmers. We need to do so. And it's critically important, not only you know for their livelihoods, but for the success of U.S. agriculture and our rural economies. If you are a business owner, look for ways to support your young farmers you run a farmer's market or shop at one, uh, seek out your local young farmers and, and find ways to support them. We really need this to become, you know, a full national movement if we're going to be successful. We're really excited about the energy we're seeing from young folks and about the fact that it sounds like their call and their story is being heard here in Congress. So the stakes are really high, but so are the opportunities. So anyone who's interested in supporting our work can go to youngfarmers.org and learn more, and and we need your help. Our thanks to Andrew Berenberg, National Policy Director for the National Young Farmers Coalition, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Global sugar subsidies are increasing at a threat to 142,000 sugar industry jobs in the U.S. Learn more about the American Sugar Alliance Zero for Zero Sugar Policy at sugaralliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Allen.